Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Shane White Show. Before we kick things off, I am going to remind you guys of our two headline sponsors for the show, the first being Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein, gluten-free, they're keto-friendly, and they contain only one gram of sugar. I've come to love these. The team's amazing. They're building something truly special, trying to take treats that we all love but we know are not good for us and transitioning them into protein-packed snacks that really align with keto-friendly, gluten-free, um, and a lot of the you know mainstream diets today that are big on low carb, low sugar, uh, really just good for you ingredients and high high in protein. So check them out; they're amazing. They're delicious. They're always stocked in my house. You can get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon. And on either website, if you use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout, you'll receive thirty percent off your order. Today's episode is also brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, mainly from expelling vapors and sweating. The team over at Routine came up with a proprietary product they like to call Morning Routine. They come in a single-serve packet made of half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. You just tear one of these packs, dump it in water, shake it up, and drink it, and you're good to go. It helps kickstart your, you know, your immune system, your metabolism first thing in the morning, and rehydrates you. Uh, one thing before I met the guys over at Routine, I really didn't understand when you wake up how dehydrated you normally are. And then by drinking coffee right away, you typically tend to dehydrate yourself even further. So this has become a morning staple of mine as well. I have a morning routine literally the first thing when I get up. I wake up. I feed the pets. I get my pre-workout together and I chug a morning routine. They taste delicious. They're good for you. You guys are going to love them. So check your check it out. Go get some morning routine at yourroutine.com. And if you use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout, you'll receive 30% off your first order. All right, everybody. Today's guest is Seth Maniscalco. It was a fun episode. Seth is really, from my perspective, uh, he's a ma- – no, I wouldn't say master – probably a weird word to use but he's a he's just a professional when it comes to understanding uh, cryptocurrencies and so for me i've been in crypto for quite a while um i'm a big fan of ethereum and you know bitcoin and some of the other ones i haven't really dove super deep deep into it i just i bought some i've sat on it i've tried to learn some from here from time to time but seth really has a deep understanding of it and we dove into a lot of things i think for a lot of you if you know a little bit about it or if you've just wanted to learn more about it, this episode is going to be really cool for you. Lots to learn. All right, everybody. Without further ado, give it up for Seth. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. Pumped today to have Seth Maniscalco on the podcast. Seth, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Good. I appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, for everyone listening who doesn't know who you are, would you mind giving everyone just a little intro to you and uh, basically what you do? Uh, I, 
I own the Crypto Wealth Coach. Um, we help with investments in the crypto markets. We try to steer and guide and have a model portfolio and an investment thesis and help folks win. Um, and uh, we just recently had a book, Prohibited Profits, come out, uh, which is focused on 10xing your investments, not just crypto specific, but um, other markets as well. And, you know, crypto is here and now, but these opportunities have come time and time again in history, not to the extreme of crypto, but, you know, uh, four digit ROIs. Love it. No, that's cool. And I think for even more background, you used to do, or do you still do like general wealth management as well? Uh, we, we have a small uh, hedge fund in the futures commodities market that, that we manage. Oh, nice. Very cool. Have you been doing hedge funds for a long time? Has that been something you've done, you know, for a while? It's relatively new for me, 2018. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty new. Um, so for the crypto side of things, uh, obviously, you know, I guess depending on what circles you run around in, I, I guess I would say it feels like it's gotten a lot of steam as of late. I, I'm trying to think. I think I bought my first crypto in 2014. So I've actually been in it for kind of, I mean, I, I think that's considered quite a long time. That, that's impressive. No, congrats. Yeah, my cousin got me into it. I think I bought, I bought Ethereum when it was, I know it was like a, a little over a hundred bucks. That was like my first dip into crypto. Um, but anyway, for, for everyone who's listening, I thought it was really interesting in your background. Um, just like actually having like a wealth management minded focus around crypto. Cause I, I think as you probably deal with all the time, a lot of the people that I talk to or listeners that reach out, um, I feel like there's like two parties, either one that's really bullish on crypto and tries to learn all about it and trades it a lot and, or at least owns quite a bit of it. Uh, and then there's a whole another side of things where people are very hesitant and don't really understand it. And that's very confusing for, so for folks who probably somewhere in the middle or fall into either of those two categories, how do you kind of even start the conversation with people around getting to understand what crypto is and how to get involved. It's, it's really all of the above, right? Um, yeah, no, there's a, there's a conversation to be had around scarcity and, you know, what it is to store of value and how to store it and how being decentralized eliminates the middleman. Um, you know, there, there's many industries that have a middleman, albeit politicians or governments or real estate investor or uh, realtors and so on. Um, but it eliminates the opportunity for lying or psychopaths and, um, you know, somebody who's just not telling the truth. Got it. Okay. And for people who, you know, Obviously, now there's just so many coins or so many different things you can get involved in. What do you tell people usually like what's the best way to jump in and get started? Right. Yeah, it's it's obscene. There's there's something 18,000 plus um, coins out there. And, and, and that's that's not an exaggeration. It's it's ridiculous. Um, but Bitcoin is king, right? I mean, Bitcoin is not going anywhere. It's it's the biggest. It's doing its job. It's gold 2.0, essentially, and um, it works. It, it may not be the fastest on the planet, but uh, you know, it, it works and it does its job. Um, so Bitcoin is the easiest to get. I, I firmly recommend cold storage, um, having a little 
uh, hardware device instead of a wallet, like a centralized wallet, Coinbase, oh, okay. Binance, or somebody else who, you know, a middleman, again, right, yeah. who has possession of your coins. Interesting. Because, you know, it's funny you say that. That I, my, I bought my first one on Coinbase. Um, I think that back then, that was probably the easiest way to, to get involved. But I did think that was kind of funny. I remember at the beginning, like, learning about crypto and understanding that, you know, a big comp- component of that is decentralization. But then I'm paying a fee to Coinbase to get it. And I was like, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that kind of the, uh, that's like the whole point. Well, there's a fee to Coinbase and and the blockchain, right? So right. if you Coinbase and have your own ownership and sovereignty over your money, um, you know, get the, get the government out of your money um, rather than being taxed and, and told what to do and reckless spending and unbalanced budgets and, you know, greedy politician nonsense, all that stuff that goes on. Got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And for someone who wants to, you know, get their coins in cold storage, how, how do you kind of go about doing that? Is there like certain platforms you recommend or certain ways to like, how do you acquire coins that way? Uh, Ledger supports well over 2,000 coins. Trezor, I'm not sure the exact number, over 1,200 or something. Um, and they're they're not big devices. Uh, I don't think I have one right here. Uh, sorry, I apologize. No, you're fine. No, that's good. Um, but you know, for 150 bucks, you can go to ledger.com and they'll ship it right to your house in cellophane, manufactured, sealed. Nobody's messed with it, right? Got it. But that's the important thing. Um, you can always reset the device if, if you really truly want to be certain. But yeah, for 150 bucks, you can store 999 billion dollars or whatever, um, all of the Bitcoin if you wanted to. If There's you're no able to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How would you? And then how do you get it onto the device? Like, wh- wh- what platform are you using to actually per- use a cash to purchase Bitcoin? Uh, well, that's the the on ramp. Um, that's what Ledger doesn't support, or at least, well, maybe they were supporting or coming live online with Ledger Live. Um, anyway, that's a fiat gateway. Mm. Um, that's where Coinbase comes into play, Binance, uh, Kraken, Bitrix, etc. Um, so yeah, somebody to convert your money into Bitcoin and it's good because the U.S. government just keeps printing more and more and more of it, and there's yeah. more and right supply and demand for Bitcoin and crypto, and the dollar value just keeps going up. What did, I think I heard a stat the other day that forty percent of the world or the U.S. cash has been printed in the last year. Have you heard something like that? Toward I don't know if that's true or not. I just keep hearing that. Yeah, it, it is true. I, I think it's you know eighteen months, two years, but it's obscene. Um, it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. What uh, happens? Like what, what's the outcome? I know uh, we're going way off into that. That could be a whole nother conversation, but. Yeah. I, I guess you can either um, wreck the stock market or the economy. Um, you can't have both. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. There's no scarcity in the dollar and people don't trust it. And it's lost something like 96% of its value in the last 115 years um per- purchase you know power 
That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Well, it's interesting too. So if someone if someone's interested in getting into crypto, like you just offered some ways, like the cold storage way. I know I've used Coinbase. Is um actually now that I'm thinking about it, it's I know it's not cold storage, obviously, but I've also bought some through uh Robinhood, for example, because there was no fees, but they're technically holding it as well. So is that I mean that's just as unsafe, I guess. Yeah. So I again um uh, it, it's going to depend on when you see this video and where you are on, on the globe. Um, but they were working on having withdrawal abilities on the website. But that was just one. They did start out, you're correct, uh, having and only operating in derivatives. Um, so you, you, you had on your hardware wallet, or, or excuse me, your software wallet on your iPhone or Samsung, whatever device that you have but you couldn't withdraw it. So the first oh. rule of crypto is not your keys, not your T's, um, meaning you don't own it. So it, it, you don't have possession of your coins. It, it's a harsh reality, but it's very true. Um, so that's where the smaller ledger and Trezor come into play and the ownership. Um, so does that mean like you can't, like right? you could sell it for its fiat cash value but you couldn't use it to purchase whatever you wanted is that what that means uh well, well there's different ways to spend bitcoin either direct or you know using a credit card or debit card or something um there's different methods and again depending on where you are the banking regulations mm. restrict may or may not be able to do um, but yeah, absolutely. That's, that's one way to do it. Or you can just send it direct. Um, if you have an address, you would share that with me and I would send you a Bitcoin and purchase whatever, a pizza, right? That's, that's the way the whole thing started. Yeah. But if you, I'm saying, I guess if you own, like for me, owning some on Robin hood, um, I couldn't, I can't, you're saying I can't use like my value of Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever the coin is on Robin hood to then go purchase something off of Robin hood. At this point, you have to like sell it back for cash. Their their policy, right, was no direct withdrawals. Got it. Um, convert back to cash on their website and then withdraw cash. Mm. Um, they, they may have since changed that. I, again, I don't know. It depends on when you see this. They were working on it, but at the time, that was their strict hard policy. But the world's adapting. You know, people yeah. are starting to understand. Um, you can't go to the airport anywhere without seeing crypto.com um in your face on the billboards and commercials and it's here it's here it is mainstream um doesn't mean it's not volatile and that it's not perfect it ha has its own problems um again it may take 10 minutes to have a transfer it's not instant yeah. um you're, you're not gonna you know use it at the grocery store and sure giving you nasty looks behind you and um daggers <laughs> your head because it's just not fast enough but um yeah if you want to buy a lamborghini or a yacht or whatever people are happy to wait 10 minutes yeah i mean it's been interesting too i know um this is just one fun example i saw the other day um like supplements i buy from like a supplement company on on their website and they launched um like the ability to use crypto now to buy things it's cool to start to see especially e-commerce companies start to fall that way. Um, I thought it was funny. This is totally random, but I just thought of this as you were saying crypto.com. 
watching the, the playoff games yesterday, I feel like crypto.com has done such a good job of, of having like quirky commercials that I think are going to get people to like check it out. Like I saw one yesterday where I don't know if you saw this or not, but the guy like looks down at his phone and gets a ding and he's like, Oh, I'm a millionaire. And he like quits his job and buys a yacht. And then next, and then it dings again. And he goes, Oh wait, I'm not a millionaire. And he's like back at his shitty job. And then he dings again. And he's like, I'm, I, I'm a millionaire. And he like, he's like throwing his stuff out. It's like, I'm quitting. It's hilarious. He's like, you know, it's like back and forth and dinging. Um, oh. and it's saying like, you know, like buy responsibly or whatever. Um, I'm like, that's, you know, they're, they're getting smart. They're getting people to like, you know, they're using a lot of the things I think people like shit on crypto for, uh, as like a marketing tactic, which I thought was great. Um, what would you say for people? I would tell you like the, the most consistent feedback I get of like naysayers of crypto tell me, and you kind of alluded to it as like, things are starting to adopt it and use it as payment. That's like the key, but. I have a lot of people that tell me what's the point yet of getting into crypto if I have to use cash to buy a coin and then I have to sell the coin to get it back into cash. And like, that's when I know I've like, I've done well with crypto, right? It's like, I, I make money. And when I say money, I mean cash until it's like, we're using Bitcoin for everything. What's the point? Do you have, what's like your piece of advice for people who have that type of perspective? Um, you know, they're, they're probably just not aware of, uh, MasterCard and Visa and debit card Bitcoin solutions. Um, again, you know, depending on which country and you are in, there's banking regulations and certain solutions will only apply if you're in the USA or Britain or wherever. Um, but the, I, my guess is they're not aware of those kind of simple solutions that do exist. Um, a lot of folks use uh, um, what is a cash app and yeah this is their um, stripe and paypal um, facebook is now meta and metaverse and the world is changing um, so the 10 minutes isn't a big deal even your credit card is an instant you know that takes 48 hours to clear and has its own problems there's fees to go with that um, which which are much higher than Bitcoin's fees, um, not necessarily Coinbase's fees, but again, if if you and I just work directly, then you can cut out the middleman that is Coinbase or any other third party. Got it. It makes a ton of sense. Um, uh, right? Like if you really want freedom, you have to have control and not no interference from any government. Right. Yeah, no, right. I was going to say, and that kind of goes right into my next question, which was, I would say that the second most talked about, I guess, argument I hear or see online, I, you know, with people that listen to the show is uh, around just is the ability to stay deregulated realistic long term? Like I hear so many times, like, won't the government eventually step in and, you know, try to put their claws in it some way, shape or form? What, what's your thoughts on that as you're obviously a lot closer to this stuff? Sure, there, there, absolutely. Um, there's regulation that will come and happen and exist, uh, you know, but it, it will be the on ramps and the centralized exchanges, and that's what they can touch and control. <clears throat> Again, cold storage between two parties, no. Yeah. Um, but anything else, yes. And I guess, you know, if, if you didn't already have it before, then it's more difficult to obtain after the fact. Uh, but 
hey, politicians love to get donations in Bitcoin too. Sure, um, so, bet. <laughs> you know, they get paid. Uh, the, <clears throat> the alcohol was under prohibition, and cannabis now is being taxed. And you look at psilocybin, and, and these patterns have happened time and time again in history. Um, whether it's that or something else, or who knows in the future, and that's what the book Prohibited Profits is about. That's that's really. The concept is to find those bigger strategies because they do happen. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, and to switch gears a little bit, but love to hear about your book. So that's kind of the general, the thesis. What can people who want to learn more about your book expect to, to learn? It's looking at the investment strategy from a different standpoint, um, taking on more risk to reap bigger rewards with smaller amounts uh, you don't you don't need to risk the, yeah, the the house or the farm you don't need to be super risky you can take a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars and you know multiply it 10 times or 20 times or more um, it does happen uh, but if, if you spread it out and have the diversified risk and a good investment thesis for what you're investing in my preference is to have a strategy of good companies to invest in. I, I, a lot of folks have a gambling strategy and <laughs> they do Bitcoin and meme coins and dragon coins and um, you name it. Uh, again, with 18,000 coins, there's no shortage. I, I think 97% of those 18,000 coins are all doomed to fail at, at some point eventually. Just like all, all fiat currencies are doomed to fail. Uh, it's not perfect. It will evolve. Technology evolves and advances, and it's what we do, right? Yeah. And Our fuel and fire, and um, before that, we we traded animals and shells and kings married daughters and kingdoms merged, and right, it's the human history. It's crazy. That's true. Yeah, right. It's like another evolution of some of that. Um, Super interesting. So, I mean, anyone listening to this, you know, whether they want to read your book or potentially work with you, um, you know, do you just like, I, it's funny, I, again, maybe because the podcast has always had this finance feel to it. Um, I've gotten questions on like a lot of, you know, how to get started, which I'm no, by no means, you know, the, the person to ask that question to, I just like to talk about it and meet people who know a lot more than I do. But the one thing I've always said with investing that's worked for me is like, one of my strategies is it's basically every time I get paid, I just have like a set percent that I know I'm putting to the side and I invest it. It's just like a constant thing that's always happening. Um, you know, I always say it's like that. It's just, it's just compounding. It's, you know, you look back a, from a year ago and you're like, well, if you invested the same amount 52 weeks in a row, obviously that's going to be a lot better than like sitting yeah, back. Uh, and Yeah. And like being like, oh shit, it's been three months since I've invested. You know, now I got to try to chunk some money up. You're going to end up spending it or usually probably not putting it back into that. Do you suggest for people... With crypto, as you've alluded to, there's so many coins, um, you know, Ethereum, Bitcoin, there's a few that like are obviously like the, the leaders right now. Do you suggest people kind of do what I would say like a lot of old school investing look like, which is like, you know, at least start by buying companies you know of, you've heard of, just like get in the game? Or do you, you know, do you suggest diversifying? How do you kind of like at a super, and I'm sure it's different for everybody. It's probably a hard question, but how do you kind of like start that journey for people of like, like where to start? Uh, who I always throw it back sort of, I guess, okay. 
it's like, who, who are you? What kind of an investor are you truly? You know, don't, don't lie to yourself. How much time can you invest? And are you going to be disciplined enough to place trades and close trades and properly manage a portfolio? Um, we're all human and we have emotions and fear and greed and money is tied deeply to that at our yeah. core. Um, that's, that's why the movie Jaws did so good. Uh, <laughs> certain human fears that if you can hit are real um, and money is one of them. Uh, so yeah, just being aware of that. And um, I, I think that's the way to go. Love it. No, that's, that's great. Uh, it's funny too. I, I, I think crypto is interesting because I know a lot of people that just from what maybe again, again, this is totally anecdotal. just as from what I hear from people who reach out to me, a lot of people seem to, to your point, you said it earlier, gamble a little bit more. It seems like people want to like ride the waves and sell and buy. I was just thinking back. I'm like, I've always just purchased. I've actually never sold any crypto positions. I've just keep buying more. Do you have any suggestions around that? Just because of its volatility in general, where it's so much different, in my opinion, than stocks, right? Where not necessarily is it, is it you know, something happens and bees the result in the stock market either, but sometimes there's a little, at least a little bit of a correlation, whether it's macro or micro with the company. With, with crypto, I feel like, you know, I don't know. I open my account one day and I'm like, oh, great. It's way up. And 20 minutes later, it's way, I have, I feel like I have no sense of like why besides like just simple supply and demand. So what do you normally tell people who want to like invest in crypto? Like how does the strategy around crypto differ from, you know, stocks and their other types of investments? Well, you know, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of ways to answer that. And, um, at the end of the day, the, the simple answer is Bitcoin is the best performing asset in all of human history period um you know it's something ridiculous like six million percent or whatever that goes up wickedly um by seven figures every day yeah Yeah. but it that's the truth uh it's never happened before it's never existed before again it's not perfect but it's the first true are you gonna miss that like you for me, the the bigger risk is not having a position in that. That's what I say too. You can't risk three percent of your portfolio. Um, okay, one percent. Can you can you risk one percent for the possibility to do a hundred x in the next ten years? That, that seems like a smart play to me. I'm with you. Is, is that what you tell people? Is that those are those like rough are those rough percents that you kind of say lead with? Well, it's all speculation. There, there's no guarantees. Um, past performance does not predict future return. Right. All those legal disclaimers. Um, however, looking in the past is it, it does sometimes predict the future. And again, six million percent—the best performing asset in all of human history. It, it does have scarcity. There are only twenty-one million Bitcoin. And something like four or five million of them have been lost, so it's even more scarce. Yeah, right. I forgot. I always forget that. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, who who knows? They may turn up. There occasionally it does happen. You know, thousands of Bitcoin move from one wallet to another on whale reports, and you know it does happen. But 
there will never be more. Um, so it has that scarcity and store value and people trust it, right? Like it's, it's about what we agree is the store value and what we can trust. Uh, there used to be gold coins, but then they would clip off the ends of the coins and people got to the point where the coins eroded and they didn't trust the coins anymore. Um, so it's about trust and people trust math and computers and algorithms that can't be fudged. Bitcoin's is, not yeah. the on-ramps, Coinbase and Bitrix and Binance. And, you know, if somebody was silly enough to write down their ledger password and leave it in their sock drawer and, and the maid comes along. Yeah. Uh, some disastrous situation, which sucks. But at the end of the day, that was your responsibility sounds great to fire the banks and get rid of the middleman um and you know the middleman is bad in that narrative however it also puts 100 percent of the responsibility on you there's 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 no um 1-800 bitcoin tech support yeah that you call when you forget your password it's again gone forever four or five million coins gone forever because uh, people didn't put a whole lot of value on it when it was pennies to the dollar either. Uh, had they understand and seen 12 years into the future, who knows? That's the problem with computers. They have short lifespans. So you need to be constantly upgrading. And um, if you don't uh, write your passwords down and store them somewhere safe, then you're going to have problems because nobody for it right forever. No, we're all human. That's a really good point to make, though, because I think we, we didn't really even hit on that before. And for people listening who don't know a ton about cryptocurrency, that was something I remember when I first signed up. Um, it, it's like a, it's a different thing to wrap your head around because everything and even crypto, obviously, is so digital. But then there is like a there's a password you have to save down. And a lot of people say, obviously, like, don't keep it on a, you know on a shared fold, don't do anything on your computer with it because if someone got that and hacked it, they could steal all your, you know, all your crypto essentially. So what do you, I mean, what do you normally tell people? Do you normally tell people to keep it in some type of cold storage? Like, I know for me, it's funny that I think about it. I have a, like a flash drive that I have, that I have a lot of like stuff on, but what happens if like, I accidentally like stepped on it or broke it? You know what I mean? It's like, I always feel like maybe you need like multiple. Is that maybe the key? Um, Well, Ledger and any device like that, has right it's it's not a password but it's it's your key it's your digital key um that's where not your keys not your in a play right so and when you initially set up the wallet and turn it on for the first time yes you write that down as part of the setup process and you do that once and once only and those are considered your keys so where do you store that now that you've written it down on a piece of paper, right? Like right. how long is paper going to last before somebody spills a soda or, or water on it or whatever happens, right? Like it's a, it gets burned, um, yeah. a fire. I mean, it falls in a lake. I mean, there, there's a hundred disastrous situations. Um, and the irony is that the answer to that question is in a safety deposit box in the bank. I guess so funny, <laughs> right? So again, fire the middleman, but um, uh, so it's not perfect. Uh, I guess if someone, I, I don't know, hacked into your safety deposit box and got a hold of that, well, you're screwed anyway, too. Sure. Um, so you know, it's only ninety nine point nine percent effective, but I, I guess that's 
if I had to think of a play, that's that's the best place to keep it. If I think about it, you know, probably two of them, two two bank vaults. Anyway, it's no, yeah, I I I see how you could go, you know, deep into like where you could store it. What's funny is. I, so my business partner is very much like he writes everything down in the back of his notebook, like passwords. And I'm the opposite. I like, I probably have mine not safe that's enough. Cool. And it's in like, it's in like, you know, notes apps and stuff on my phone, which yeah, I guess that, is that's doubly worse, right? Which is, is that doubly worse? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have antivirus software or whatever, Norton, not, who knows? Okay. Be the the rich idiot is famous for crypto. He's got some history sailing around the world and evading governments. And um, anyway, <laughs> oh, I don't even know if I've heard that story. Now I gotta look that up. John McAfee. Oh, he's he's a he's a piece of work. Oh, that's funny. The guy that came up with the antivirus. Longer uh, with us, John. Oh, okay, he lived a wild life. Yeah, I'm about to look this up. <laughs> he he launched that company. 40 years ago um lived the rich playboy life and was big into crypto he, he tried to run for u.s president and took donations in bitcoin and crypto and yeah took a lot of drugs too and lived uh he was not 100 percent. got it oh, i didn't even know this that's awesome i'm gonna have to look this up now now my mind is peaked so why is again I'm, i asked some of these questions i think there are a lot of you know Simple, not dumb questions, just simple questions for someone who's new. Sure. Um, nothing to be embarrassed of. Yeah, that's what I always tell people too. So like for me, let's just say this. I, you know, I have a notes app on my iPhone um, and it's a locked notes app. So you have to have a password to get into the notes app. Why is that a not, why is it not a good idea? Or why is it unsafe to, to share or to like store your, your key? Um, well, is it backed up on the cloud? Yes. So anybody gets a hold of your iCloud account, theoretically could get a hold of your passwords and make a withdrawal. Um, Got it. That doesn't happen. Again, that's a worst case doomsday scenario uh, that shouldn't happen. It, there's better ways to store those passwords too, right? But it, it's all about where, where what's convenient and what's practical and where the rubber meets the road and um, you can lose your device too, right? If you've got certain uh, extra layer, second layer, like Google Authenticator tied to your accounts. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks have it for bank accounts as well and website logins, et cetera, um, to make sure you are who you are when you log in. Second layer, two-factor authentication. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you suggest that too. I, I do use that for some stuff. I suggest it, but you, you can also lose those devices. And then the the benefit is who if you've got your coins on Coinbase, then you know they'll they'll take a picture of you, your ID, and you gotta write a statement that says, I am who I am and today's date is X, and they'll verify it and get you back into your account, same as you would any other way through Verizon or Amazon. Yeah your bank you know all works the same way i uh i have a fun a fun, quick funny story that actually happened to me my somehow i lost i couldn't get into my coinbase account and i had to go through that process but i remember having like a heart attack because that's where i bought like my initial coins way back in the day 
and I don't remember what happened, but it was probably a couple of years ago now. And I, you know, I had to do the whole thing. It was like, take a picture, picture with my ID, I think, uh, like a selfie with my ID or something. Yeah. I remember being like, please God, let me get back into this. <laughs> I was almost one of those 5 million. Well, that's the thing, right? So yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot of successful, happy stories around explosive profits in crypto investing. Um, and everybody loves to sell the dream there again there's a real side and there's a rubber meets the road and how much people spend you know again are you doing it as a lottery strategy or you're sitting on this for 10 15 20 years and passing it down to your kids or are you trying to pay the mortgage with your profits in the next days so i good point right or wrong answer it's just who are you as an investor and how much time can you invest and what are your goals and customizing it to who you are right like if don't think you're going to be a professional day trader or the short-term trader like you want to be sitting in front of the computer eight hours a day or do you have a family and wife and kids which i do and that's where I'd much rather spend my time, you know? Right. And hey, that's all well and good. And day traders pay more taxes anyway because they're for term trades. So there's no right or wrong. It's just who you are and what are your goals. Sure. No, and I, that's great context. Um, I, I, one of the only other questions that I, I wanted to ask that I hear a lot is around just the overall price. So like the overall price of Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, I, I get the question a lot of how, how high do you think it can go? Or like, is it at its peak? And I always then frame people back to just like economics 101 of just supply and demand. And you hit on it earlier. Like there's only, there's a fixed amount of Bitcoin. It's never going up. It's never going down. It could go down if people lose it, right? But it, there's never gonna be more. So as far more people adopt it, obviously the demand would go up, the supply stays flat or down. And so the price should continue to go up. Do you have any perspective on that? Because I think that's another piece that people who are very novice in this and don't really know a ton about it. Like, I think the ceiling is just so much higher than most people realize, just given the background of what, of what a lot of crypto is, like the technology it's based on. Um, you know, Bitcoin has no ceiling because the dollar and fiat has no floor. Um, mm. They just more and more of it. Like the, there is no limit to how many dollars there can be. Um, you look around the, the globe and there's, there's certain countries where their dollar is just worthless. Like, you know, they've got thousands of them throwing in, in the air like confetti and it doesn't buy a hot dog. Um, Crazy. And you can't fit it in your pocket. Like at that point, it just becomes impractical. Uh, so again, enter digital dollars. Everybody's got a phone. Well, most everybody. Um, folks that don't have a phone and have to rely on banks have to rely on banks. And the bank's approval to have access uh, every, but most folks at these days, we have o- Obama phones and free phones and, you know, they're pretty common, not a hundred percent of everybody has a phone, but pretty much the top 97% of the planet. I think that number, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Maybe yeah, no, not- but most people, right. Have, yeah. 9.7 out of 10, probably. Um, 
and Bitcoin's adoption compares to the internet's adoption. Um, when you look at adoption curves, they're they're like like a J curve. You know, there's an initial drop and then boom, exponential growth, and it takes off from a return on your investment perspective as well. Got it. Yeah. No, it's it's wild, right? I mean, you said it. You said it a few well, times on here. It's like there's go for gonna it. be profits and manipulation and. Again, it's not a perfect system. It's like the stock market. The stock market isn't perfect either. Manipulation mm -hmm. this and insider trading and politicians doing who knows what. Yeah, you know, turn on any headline in the country and there's there's a nasty story somewhere. Right. But that again, that's a human nature element of it. And it exists in Bitcoin, right? Too. I mean, people say <clears throat> if Bitcoin's used for criminals and you know, it's, it's not like the dollar isn't. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, <laughs> if you really want to commit crimes and not get caught, the dollar is the better way to go because there's no master database of every dollar serial number. It, it doesn't exist. Where you can see on the Bitcoin and open public blockchain who sent what. And if I sent you a Bitcoin, there's a record of that. It exists and it exists forever. Right. Um, can anyone access that? Like, how does, I guess I never really, I knew it's public, but how, how do you like, I mean, I'm sure it's complicated, but how, how do you go through and see all the transactions? Yeah, no, there, there's websites where you just type in, yeah, you have to have the transaction ID or the wallet. And okay. Yeah, it's like, I, I, it's a poor example, but I guess if, if you wanted to triangulate somebody with antenna towers to their cell phone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like connecting the dots, and the, again, that's a very weak example. Uh, but it, it's sense, not, you have to have advanced technology and research too. Like there, there's no name tied to it specifically. So if you go through Coinbase, yes, Coinbase has your uh, a copy of your driver's license or Bitrix or Binance or any of the other on-ramps and third parties, right? Like they cooperate with the government for the most part. There's some that don't, the 20% out there that don't cooperate in decentralized exchanges. But for the most part, there's a record of you somewhere. So sure. if you really want to go out of your way, you can try and be super private on a public blockchain that nobody knows you have the wallet. If, if it's that important to you, there's other ways to do it, right? There's privacy coins out of the 18,000 coins out there that exist that solve that problem. Um, however, it, it works. Sure. Um, we're willing to accept it and it's public and everybody trusts it. Why not? Right, right. No, that makes sense. Um, the one, so we've talked a lot about like, obviously I'm bullish on it. So I, I'm sure my tone comes off like I'm, I'm very like pro uh, crypto. For you being really, I would what I would consider a professional in the space. Um, what what is like the biggest you know risk flaw for people who you know should know? Like, what's the biggest downside of getting into crypto? Uh, it's not easy. It, it's it's a complex, difficult market that's not easy to navigate, and um, you know the, it, it will improve and it will adapt, and that's why sites like coinbase and the exchanges win because they offer convenience and you know the, the trade-off that you don't have to remember your keys or take responsibility for possessing them and making sure they don't fall in a lake or whatever right um that's the trade-off uh, but they also 
charge high fees. And there's been complaints about manipulation where, especially periods in the volatility where it's either high or low and there's increased demand for people trying to sell or buy and you know capitalize on profits, right? Uh, and then the the website goes down, Coinbase goes down. Um, right. It happens multiple times during the year for well over a decade at this point and always at the worst time, right? <laughs> yeah. um, there's a little bit of drama to that, but there, there's a, a still a record that can't be ignored. It's um, just always painful, but that's the price you're going to pay uh, for using those on ramps. Got it. Totally makes sense. Love it. A ton of good information, Seth. So thank you for all of that. Um, as we get towards the end of the hour and the end of the podcast, there's a few questions I love to ask everyone that comes on here. So I want to get your, your answers to these because I think they'll be really good. The first one is just essentially, as you mentioned, you're, you said you're a married man with family, you're running multiple businesses. What do you do to you know, plan your big goals, whether that's annual goals, bigger goals? And then what tools do you use um, just to get shit done on a daily basis? Are you a, you know, it's funny. I, I love asking someone in crypto this. Are you, a, are you an app guy? Do you have just a pen and paper? Like, how do you plan your days and get shit done? Uh, well, yeah. Um, my big goals and planning my day are sort of two different things. So, you know, I plan that the 500 year plan goes on the chalkboard and, constantly evolved and upgraded too, right? Erased and rethought out and replanned um, where the di- daily grind is, I guess, about checklists and touching base and relationships and, you know, the, the non-pretty part of the whole thing. Got it. So a little bit of chalkboard, a little bit of pen and paper, it sounds like. That's old school, I guess. I love that. No, you know, it's funny. Most founders I've talked to on here are pen and paper people. I don't, I really have probably gotten less than 10 people that have said that they're like diehard app people at this point we 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 got a blackboard chalk paint and painted an entire wall in blackboard paint oh that's cool nice it's it's fun and it's big and you can get a lot of ideas and concepts on there and it works very cool. Might have to do that in my office. I like I like that idea. Um, the second question is source of knowledge that you want to share with the audience. Obviously, you wrote a book, so you, we could we could, you can plug that at the end. If you have another one that you know, either a podcast, a book, anything source of knowledge that you would highly suggest to people who are listening today. Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, you know, it kind of depends on on who you are. I don't know. There, there's. If you don't know anything at all, there's the Bitcoin standard. Okay. Uh, that's a great beginner book that will, you know, not overload you and whatever, read a chapter a day. You know, you don't have to absorb it all. It's, it's like trying to eat an elephant, right? You can't sit right. down an elephant in a day. Um, that's great. So- I don't honestly know if I've read a good, like, I've never read like a crypto book. So I might have to pick this one up too. Yeah, it's uh, if you're more of a business professional and you want to look at business solutions or how to integrate your business and get paid in with Bitcoin and the blockchain, this one's a good one. That'll think help you think outside the box and maybe wow. connect that you didn't think. Were what's important. that one called? Sorry, the blockchain competitive uh, advantage. Competitive advantage. I'm going to write these down and I will, I'll add links uh, in the show notes to both of these for everyone listening. 
Awesome. Very yeah, cool. So those are great. Worth it. Very cool. I'm going to pick both those up because I am, I am deep into this. Um, last question and the most important question. How can people follow you, Seth? How can people get involved with you if they want to work with you, you know, whether it's on the hedge fund side or the crypto side? And then lastly, how can people buy your book? Uh, SethManiscalco.com is my personal website. Uh, we, we don't solicit for the hedge fund. It's a private fund. Um, you know, it's really friends and family and people that we have a relationship with. It, it's a small it. circle. Um, but yeah, that's my personal website. We, we, of course, CryptoWealthCoach.co um, for that. And the new book, ProhibitedProfits.com are all good ways to get in touch. And we've got social media links and podcast links and Love all it. that. Awesome. Well, we'll, I'll add all those links to the show notes too, so people can find it easily. Um, but Seth, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I know we've been planning this one for a while, so I'm glad we finally got to get on and do it. And uh, I got to learn a bunch today. So I appreciate the time. Grateful for the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Seth. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.